Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. This is episode 455 of our uh, interview series with uh, athletic directors, coaches, and leaders. Uh, we'll meet today's guest, but first we want to give out a uh, shout out to our partners, the Florida Coaches Coalition, Vital Signs Wall of Fame, We Coach, and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. You've heard me say many times, these are four great organizations. You really need to have them uh, as part of your network. And now don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us for the next three minutes so we give our sponsors their shout out. These are all companies that I used as a coach or as an athletic director. You should be using them too. Here we go. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support of the podcast. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. And the hometown staff will not only show you how to set up and sell your tickets online, they'll also provide you with a dedicated client success manager to give you hands-on support every step of the way. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com, digital ticketing that offers more. We want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, set up a live web demo, see their scoreboards and their score tables in action. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made was our Sideline Interactive Indoor Score Table. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Schedule that live web demo today. We also want to say thank you to Gipper. Go to gipper.com. Start creating world-class marketing content for your school's social media channel. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Promote your program, celebrate your team's accomplishments and your athletes. Gipper's used by over 3,000 athletic departments across the country. It's professional graphic design made simple. Go to gipper.com to get started. We want to say thank you to Home Campus. Go to homecampus.com. Check out all the ways that they can help you manage your athletic program. It's the exclusive high school management and state association platform for the podcast. As an athletic director, I used home campus every single day and it was just great. Once again, if you want to find out more, go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. We want to say thanks to Huddle for their support. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but when I became an athletic director, I made sure that our school was a huddle school and our coaches just loved the tools that huddle provided that helped them coach our kids to their highest level at huddle we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle join the 8 million users turn your school into a huddle school we also want to say thanks to snap mobile go to snapraise.com check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better if you're looking for a fundraiser, stop right here. SnapRaise is hands down the best out there. But there's also Snap Manage, Snap Connect, Snap Store, and a whole lot more. Go to snapraise.com to find out all about their platforms. Snapraise.com. We want to say thank you to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles. It's a great way to recognize your school record boards, or your school's Hall of Fame, or just tell more compelling stories. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check them out today. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire program. Athletic Directors already hear back from the complainers, the 2% that want to gripe about everything. Athletic Surveys will connect you with the 2%, but they'll also connect you with the 98% that love and support your program. If you're not using a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student-athletes, you're really missing out. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them show you how easy it is. That's athleticsurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're staying right here in Florida today. In fact, we're staying very local. Uh, we're going to be visiting with Steve Bishop. Uh, I'm going to guess those of you in the volleyball community will recognize that name. 
Uh, I'm going to let Steve go into his resume, but it's just an incredible background in sports. Um, he is uh, the executive director and the president for the Florida region of uh, United States Volleyball Association. He's also on their national board. He's on a ton of boards and committees. He's also a, an Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service, sir. Uh, and he, we're going to take a, a shallow and a deep dive into all things volleyball, not just club volleyball, but also high school volleyball today. Steve Bishop, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Good morning. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Um, <clears throat> I know this is a little uh, off your normal track uh, dealing with an NGV, but uh, hopefully we can add a little value to uh, your show. Oh, absolutely. And and the athletic directors and coaches that are listening, um, you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, Steve and I were introduced by a mutual friend, longtime volleyball coach here in uh, Lake County, Florida. And uh, I, I knew immediately he'd be a great guest. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Steve, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So Give us that uh, quick bio in about three minutes, where you were born, where you grew up. Maybe take us up through your own high school and college years, and then we'll take a break and then hear more about your career. But what's the Steve Bishop origin story? Well, it's an interesting question. I'm a local Florida boy, uh, born here in uh, central Florida, Orlando, to be exact. Um, maybe one of the few natives left around here, but uh, other than a stint of time I did in the United States Air Force, I've lived here in Central Florida uh, all my life. Um, grew up in Apopka, Florida. Um, uh, attended Apopka High School, home of the Blue Darters. We were multiple-time football champions <clears throat> here in the state of Florida, and um, very proud of, of that little community I grew up in. Um, went off to the United States Air Force, <clears throat> took maybe a, a non-traditional route. Um, look, I got out of high school and went straight in into enlisted corps and served as military police. <clears throat> got cross-trained as a uh, deputy sheriff with, with the local sheriff's department while I was in the Air Force. And then uh, <clears throat> finished up my uh, tour of duty in 1991 after Desert Storm. We were... Uh, we were involuntarily extended <clears throat> all of our all of our uh, assignments and so came back home and then went to college got my degree in accounting and uh, originally thought i wanted to be in law enforcement um, as a career but uh, got into school got into the accounting world learned uh, that i really enjoyed business <clears throat> and so Kind of went through the private sector um, while I was going to school full time and and uh, used some of those accounting and, and business things that I've learned and learned a lot more along the way. Um, ended up um, ended up getting back into volleyball. Uh, the Florida Region <clears throat> Board of Directors asked me if I would be interested in coming back and helping. Uh, them create the first full-time staff position for the organization. It had been a board-run uh, nonprofit for many years. And so that was uh, in 2005. <clears throat> the funny thing is, Jake, I agreed to come on and help them. I said, I'll come on and help you guys for a year and um, get <clears throat> get things up and running for you and help you develop a game plan, and a staff plan, and a budget. <clears throat> and then... Uh, so it's been 23 years uh, that I've been here for one year. So um, I guess sometimes you're not really sure what you're committing to, but uh, it's certainly been a pleasure of mine. I worked in the for-profit sector uh, in the accounting and finance controller, internal auditor, chief financial officer, things of that nature. Um, but I can certainly say uh, without pause that this is the most enjoyable thing I've, I've really ever done in my career to get a chance to merge my business experience with my love for the sport of volleyball i played while i was in the air force uh learned to coach there started the juniors club when i came back to florida uh, here in in lake county called the lake county juniors and then um, it's it's been an interesting uh journey and so i started off 
just basically being an athlete. And now I sit, I guess you would say my highest level positions in the volleyball world now is, of course, I, I get the pleasure of leading this great organization and our full-time staff. Um, I'm on the board of directors for USA Volleyball, the national governing body for our sport. And I serve as the board president for the International Volleyball Hall of Fame out of Holyoke, Massachusetts, which is certainly uh, a pleasure. And it's it's very humble uh, experience to be able to welcome greats in our sport as we induct them into the Hall of Fame each year in, in the month of October. So that's probably the best three-minute uh, summary I can give you. Um, I'd probably throw in here that my uh, married to my wife of 30, uh, it's either 35 or 36, and I can never remember where we are. It's just a lot. Uh, years, we were high school sweethearts, uh, known her since seventh grade, and we have a 26-year-old son uh, who helps us here at uh, at the Florida Region Office and manages our sand volleyball complex. So that's me in a nutshell, sir. Well, we're going to take a, a, a little deeper dive into some of the volleyball stuff, but I uh, want to go back, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess sort of kind of high school days. You know, you mentioned Apopka, you know, certainly people in Florida, you know, know the Apopka sports tradition. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, um, if you ever meet Steve in person, you're probably going to be looking up because the guy's, you know, he's like six, eight, six, nine. Um, did you play? Uh, I, I know you're involved in sports in high school, but, you know, when did you first start playing volleyball? Because I'm going to guess back in your high school days, it still wasn't a high school sport for Florida. Uh, was it when you got in the military that you started playing volleyball? Yeah, that's correct. Um, my love for sports started <clears throat> in Little League. I started in baseball, um, and then I moved to soccer. So I played uh, soccer at Apopka Junior High, and then in my uh, first year at Apopka High. Um, and then I started playing volleyball when I was in the Air Force. I was in the gym, actually, and we were having an impromptu slam dunk contest uh, on the basketball boards, and the volleyball coach for the base came over and asked me if I played volleyball. And of course I told him I did because I grew up watching my parents play in various leagues in Apopka. And um, so he invited me to come out for tryouts. And I realized within the first few minutes of attending volleyball tryouts there that I didn't have a clue how to play volleyball at the level at which they were playing. So uh, his name was Amr Chand. He took me under his wings, taught me the game. Um, and basically kicked off my journey uh, as to where I am now. Yeah, well, like like any good coach, you know, he he saw something there that uh, you know he could work with, you know, that uh, that frame. And well, I'm going to guess there was some athleticism in there too. Well, being six seven six eight certainly doesn't hurt. Um, it, you know, it's like they say you can teach someone how to play, you can't always teach them how to be tall. So. Right. Uh, I, I forget who it was. I want to say it was Bobby Knight when he was asked, you know, would you rather have fast players or tall players? You know, he said tall players in, in the fourth quarter, those fast players are going to get tired. The tall players, they're not going to shrink. So, uh, they're still tall. You got it. That's exactly right. <laughs> For our listeners, uh, we're visiting today with Steve Bishop. He's a longtime coach, longtime director. He's the executive director and president for the Florida region of uh, United States volleyball, also involved at the national level. We're going to hear more about that. Let's go and take our first break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support of the podcast. Go to hometownticketing.com. Hometown's the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. And the Hometown team will not only show you how to set up and sell your tickets for athletic events, but also for things like school plays, concerts, dances, even graduation. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Hometown is digital ticketing that offers more. More support, more security, and more customization. Go to hometownticketing.com to find out more. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their tables and their boards in action. 
probably one of the best purchases I ever made was our sideline interactive indoor score table. Of course, we used it for home games, but we also used it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. Their products are tremendously versatile and their customer service is just outstanding. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, schedule that live web demo today, sidelineinteractive.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Steve Bishop. Uh, he's the Florida Region Executive Director and President for USVBA, also involved at the national level in a number of organizations. Steve, you talked about how when you first got involved with the Florida Region, it was just going to be a, uh, a short-term gig, you know, maybe a year. Obviously, it turned into a lot more. Take us along that journey. You know, what was the organization like when, you know, you first got involved and, and where do you, where's the organization now? And maybe where do you see it going? I know that's a big chunk. <laughs> well, we, we tell this story often because I think it's important that people understand the history of where you came from because it helps you understand how you've gotten to where you are. Um when I first came on board in uh, 2005, late 2005 in this role, as I mentioned, there were no um, staff members. It was a volunteer run organization <clears throat> by a board of 23, 23 board members, if you can imagine that, all uh, trying to put their hands in the pot and keep the organization afloat. And volleyball was still uh, I want to say relatively new, uh, the travel portion under USA Volleyball. Obviously, national teams and uh, Olympic teams had been in place for a long time. But the regional infrastructure of the 40 regions across the United States was um, was still a new concept. Actually, in the old days, it was, uh, I think, a dozen or less regions, and they were just numbered. And uh, so then later, as more interest in the sport started to develop, the regions got names and uh, geography was better defined. But when I came on board in 05, um, we had a little over 4,200 members in the state of Florida. Um, just to contrast where we are now, we're just shy of 19,000 members um, here in the state of Florida. And um, when I first came on board, we ran three total events, adult regionals, boys regionals, and girls regionals, and that was it. Uh, we now run uh, anywhere between 20, uh, 20 and 30 events a year um, out of our office, and we sanction another 40 to 50 events on the indoor and beach side of volleyball. So demand is high, uh, supply is high, and the interest in our sport is high. When I first came on, there were no employees, as I mentioned. I have a staff of seven. We have a region office. Um, we have an inventory of vehicles and trailers and event equipment. Uh, I joke that when I came on board in 05, I went, uh, I went to where someone had set up a temporary part-time office and picked up all the assets of the corporation. That included a four-door file cabinet, which I still have, and I'm keeping as a memento, um, a desktop computer, which obviously, as we all know from desktop computers, it's only good for a, a door weight uh, at this point in life. Uh, and then a box of files. And that's that's what I started with. There there was nothing else. And so it's been it's been a great journey. I credit our board of directors here for having great faith uh, in me and our staff, and understanding the distinct difference between governance and operations. And oftentimes, nonprofits uh, get a little confused on what those two lanes are in operating uh, the organization. And our board has stayed focused on governance and allowed uh, me and the staff to focus on operations. And so it's it's come a long way, as the saying goes, but I'm, I'm very proud of where we are. Um, my journey is right now is scheduled to end in 2028. So I've got five years left to set the stage to hand the baton off to my successor and um, 
for them to be able to take it to a completely different level than we were able to. You know, looking back uh, over those years, and again, you just got, got done talking about, you know, moving forward. Um, what are some of the things that you're most proud of uh, that where you've seen the organization grow? And and for our listeners, we're going to talk about coaches' education. We're going to talk about training. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the relationship between, you know, USVBA and the high school uh, uh, systems later on. But right now, you know, what are some of the things that you're particularly proud that you've seen the organization do? Um. Quite a few. I'm going to try and narrow it down to some that I think are the most impactful for listeners, because I, I don't think people understand that we're in the business of youth and junior sports. Obviously, that's why we are here. We're here to create opportunities. We're here to train coaches. We're here to train officials. And we're here to create this 360 degree environment that benefits those who are members of our organization. So. One of the things I would point to is um, our scholarship program. So we started a scholarship program back in 2007. And we give scholarships to high school seniors that are members of our organization. Uh, since inception, we've awarded $734,000 uh, to high school seniors. And um, it is, <laughs> it's such a pleasure to be able to see those kids come up on stage. They've been part of our organization through their middle school and high school years, and then they're recognized for their academic excellence uh, and then get a chance to go on and participate in college. And we have a great pleasure of being able to help them do that. We've given scholarships to 278 uh, high school seniors uh, in all those years. And, um, it, it it's it's become a a big part of what we are. Uh, so scholarship administration, we just wrote checks this past week for one hundred and four thousand dollars for this year's awards, um, and we do them by year. And so I was signing checks for almost an hour uh, last Friday as we were getting re those ready to go out to all of the schools. Uh, checks to. At, just about every Florida school you can think of, junior college and up, and schools across the nation, uh, all the way from USC to Harvard and everything in between. So that's something I'm really proud of. It started off as a crazy little dream. And uh, the first year we awarded um, a few $500 scholarships and we thought we were the cat's meow because we were able to have a scholarship program. So that's one thing um, I'd say growing opportunities across the state for kids to play a sport that they love is something that we've done. And um, when I first started, there were, like I said, 4,200 members. And now being, I'd say we probably have actually exceeded 19,000 at this point, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. That's a lot of kids that are getting a chance to play ball in the off season and uh, pursue uh, college scholarship opportunities uh, and then create an opportunity for them to pursue a sport that they love. Volleyball is a lifetime sport. Um, Jake, I'll ask you this question. I, I'm big into trivia and I'll see if you know the answer. What's the oldest age division offered at the U.S. Open Adult National Championships? What do you think that might be? The oldest age division. Um, well, I, I know in track and field, uh, that's kind of my uh, area. Uh, they have uh, a, a 90 and over uh, division. Um, so I, I'm going to say volleyball has got to be uh, in that area. Am I close? You're really close. Yeah, we have a, an 80. Uh, I think we just added the 85s, but we have the 80 and above um, category. So you can play this sport from eight to 80. Uh, it is a lifetime sport, no doubt. But, but, but helping these kids develop a love for something that creates accountability in their life. They've got another set of, uh, of adults that are hopefully getting to have a positive influence um, on them as they go through their, their young years or middle school and high school years, formative years, as you would say. 
Um, so I think that's something that we're really proud of here. Um, and then I think something we've done for the local community that uh, we certainly are proud of and our board um, talks about it often, but that's, we are able to create a partnership with the Lake County government and created a 21 court sand volleyball complex that allows us to host between 12 and 20 beach events a year um, for all types of organizations. We do, uh, we started high school beach here as a matter of fact with the Sunshine State Athletics. And uh, so then that kind of morphed over and FHSA picked it up and uh, they are now helping to grow uh, beach volleyball, which we're, we're very proud to see the growth in the sport. And so that was a $3 million project with Lake County government and uh, a public-private partnership between our nonprofit and them. And so that that's something that we've been very proud of, uh, being able to grow beach volleyball. Uh, we hosted an AVP Pro Beach event back in December of last year, along with the World Pair Volley, uh, which is a beach pair volley, 3v3, uh, which is Paralympic Beach. And we're working right now on a bid to host the 2024 uh, World Pair Volley Beach World Championships in late 2024. So fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's just a, a small sample size of all the things that, you know, USVBA, uh, the Florida region and, and yourself are, are involved in. We're going to take another break, but when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some things that I think most of our listeners, uh, you know, are, you know, truly tuned into. Uh, so uh, we appreciate you listening today. Our guest today is Steve Bishop, the executive director and president for the Florida region of the United States volleyball. Let's take that break, but we're coming back with some more. This is the educational AD podcast. We want to say thanks to Gipper for their support of the podcast. Gipper is the official social media graphic solution for the educational AD podcast. Go to gipper.com. And their team is going to show you how to create world-class marketing content for your school or organization's social media channel. The kids are on social media today. And if you're not posting to uh, promote your program, to celebrate your athletes' accomplishments, you're really missing out. Gipper's used by over 3,000 college and high school athletic organizations. And it's so simple to use, even I can use it. Go to Gipper.com. Mention you heard about it on the podcast. They'll give you a nice discount. That's Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to Huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure that our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches just loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids to the highest levels. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 8 million users and find out how to turn your school into a Huddle school. That's huddle.com. Good. Yep. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Steve, um, you know, we've mentioned uh, a little bit, you know, you are the executive director and the president of the Florida region for USVBA, United States Volleyball. Um, it, it, it's the, the club, uh, the travel ball, you know, organization. So for an athletic director or a coach that's sitting out there, either in Florida or somewhere across the country, and they're going, well, what the heck is USVBA? Um Let's take that dive. You know, what is it? What are some of the things that you would like to tell that athletic director who's listening right now that might not know? Yeah, that's a great question. And I know uh, the answer is wide and varied because um, different people see it differently. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity to, to put some, some facts on what is USA Volleyball. So USA Volleyball is a national governing body for the sport of volleyball. That's the designation they get from the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, as well as the Federation of International Volleyball. And that's our um, that's our international uh, federation um, across the world. So USA Volleyball 
operates as basically the sole provider of um, volleyball inside the United States and the only organization eligible to select athletes for national teams and for Olympic teams. And there's a distinction there. National teams are year-round. Olympic teams are every four years. Um, but USA Volleyball is much bigger than that. And you touched on a few things there in the opening uh, of this session. And that is we have, we have two lanes in USA Volleyball. We have the national team and Olympic team lane. And then we have the grassroots lane. And the grassroots lane is what comes down at the regional level that the, the 40 regions of USA Volleyball, we spend a majority of our time, if not all of our time on. Um, and when I say all of our time, I mean, sometimes that's 23 and a half hours a day because uh, youth sports don't really shut down, right? They just keep going year round. And tournaments are lasting you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, they start at eight in the morning and then there are issues that need to be resolved. And so on any given day, you know, my phone will light up on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock while someone's having an issue at a tournament. But those are the grassroots things that we try and help administer. So for that athletic director out there who's going, well, why do I care? Like, what does it matter? I would say, Understanding the distinct difference between national governing body sports and everyone else is is worth a few minutes of your time. And what I mean by that is a national governing body has a lot of oversight governance by the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. We have audits. We have reviews. We have uh, athlete safeguard requirements that we are required to follow. And... Um, some of the other organizations out there that are not affiliated with the NGB don't have those same standards. And if they do, they're just self-imposed, which means that they could be anything. So understanding the difference between who you're allowing in your, your gymnasiums and on your fields uh, with respect to club sports and travel teams, I guess, as it's sometimes referred to uh, loosely, is really important because national governing bodies have a set of standards that we all have to follow and they're the same. Our background screens are the same um, across the entire US. Our coach training requirements are the same. Um, our safe sport, uh, which is all stuff that was triggered by the, the Safe Sport Authorization Act of 2017. Uh, those are all the same. And so the ability for uh, those that um, we don't need in the sport or who have been bad actors. We have the ability to remove them. And I serve on the safe sport committee of USA volleyball and have for many years. And I'm the representative here for the state of Florida. And we deal with those bad actors on a regular basis. And one thing I would say to your ADs that are listening, when, when you have bad actors in the, in the local school, oftentimes what we seem to see is they just get pushed out the door. Like, go on go on to some other community. We don't want you around here anymore. We don't want the publicity surrounding your, your behavior, but we just want you to go away. And they do exactly that. They go down the road, they head to another state, they show up in another school, they repeat the same behaviors, and then they know that people don't want to deal with, with the publicity of all of that, so they just get shooed around the country. In the US OPC, US Olympic and Paralympic Committee world, we have the ability to shut them down permanently. They then are restricted from participating in any NGB sport. So if you're a bad actor in swimming and swimming reports it and the U.S. Center for Safe Sport um, determines that you, in fact, were inappropriate or you violated a rule, you get banned in all 40 plus NGB sports. And so therefore you can't just pop up in some other community. You get on a banned list and we all have access to that. So I would say to these ADs, some of the frustrations I've had in my 20 plus years is that when you find out that coaches have, have uh, misbehaved in the school setting and then they're just they're just kind of silently shuffled out the door and no one reports that. Get that to your local NGB of that respective sport where that coach is participating because then there's an opportunity and ability for that stuff to get um, elevated and reviewed on a national level. 
And just for a fact, the U.S. Uh, Center for Safe Sport and the Safe Sport Authorization Act actually requires uh, those of us in the NGB world, we are mandatory reporters. And I know you're very familiar with that in a school setting, because many state laws um, also exist in that in that realm. But sometimes they don't get cross-referenced with each other. So I know that that's a lot about what USA Volleyball is, and I, I may have digressed there for just a moment, but those are a few things that I would say if I was sitting in a room of ADs, um, help us out, help us get these bad actors out of the sport. That's it's one of the things you can rely on an NGB to do. We have access to take action on those uh, type of behaviors. No, I, I think it was very uh, timely that you mentioned that. And and you're absolutely right. You know, in the public school setting, you know, background checks, you know, Jessica Lunsford cards and all that stuff, you know, very important. And the, the, the sanctioning of tournaments, uh, I, I think, and activities uh, is something that uh, not a lot of athletic directors, you know, probably think about, you know, it, it seems like, and I'll, I'm exaggerating here for our listeners, it, it's not this way, but it seems like there's a quote national tournament every single weekend uh, somewhere in the United States. And uh, they're not all, uh, and probably most of them are not USVBA tournaments. It's, it's just some organization that is using that word national uh, so uh, you're absolutely right, Steve, you know, seeing who is sponsoring it, seeing who's associated with it, uh, you're not only making sure that your student athletes that uh, participate with USVBA clubs are are being protected, but, you know, they're, they're, you're also, you don't want to be associated with, as you say, a bad actor. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, we're going to do this later in the podcast, but I, I want to do it now. Uh, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, find out more about USVBA, you know, how to get involved, you know, again, coach training officials, et cetera. Um, what's the website, where do they go? And, you know, if you want to give out your email address, if they want to pick your mind a little bit, how do they do that? Well, ours is real simple. FloridaVolleyball.org. FloridaVolleyball.org. Uh, we'll get them to uh, to our page. And uh, my email is just simply steve at floridavolleyball.org. So they can find me there. All right. And again, we'll give that out again at the end of the uh, podcast. Our guest today is Steve Bishop, the executive director and president of the Florida region for United States Volleyball. We're going to take another break, but we're coming back with some more stuff. So please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Home Campus for their support of the Educational AD Podcast. Home Campus is the exclusive high school state association management platform for the Educational AD Podcast. It's also your one-stop platform for things like scheduling, student-athlete eligibility and clearance, uh, coaches clearance, and a whole lot more. As an athletic director in Florida, I used Home Campus every single day, and it was just great. And the Home Campus team was great to work with, too. For more information about how you can get connected with Home Campus, all you have to do is go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. Check them out today. Here we go. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Steve, you, you've talked a little bit about um, what USVBA is. Uh, I know a big part of the program is training, you know, uh, training for coaches so they can coach the kids, also training for officials. Talk a little bit about that. How does it work? You know, what are some of the, uh, I guess, important uh, foundational pieces of your coach education program? So there, basically we start at the top with just the word education. And underneath that, we've got coach education, officials education, and that's the trained adult paid officials. And then we also have officials education for our junior athletes. Um, so I'll, I'll touch on the coach portion first. Um, USA Volleyball has been going through a little bit of a, I guess a transformation in a sense. Uh, we used to have a lot of in-person coach clinics, uh, cap one, cap two, cap three, cap four. Um, and then they kind of moved away from that. Part of it was due to the fact that uh, it was getting more difficult to get coaches into the same room at the same time 
And then, of course, uh, around right around 2020, this little pandemic thing happened, which kind of prevented a lot of people from getting in the same room at the same time. And so a lot of coach education went to uh, digital platforms where you can do webinars. You can uh, log in at your own convenience, at your own time, watch the topics you want to watch, take the course, uh, you know, kind of uh, questionnaire or test, you might call it, and then work on getting your certification that way. Um, I would say from my point of view of being one of the old guard, uh, which now I guess I can call myself that, uh, the in-person education was highly valuable and I think created uh, friendships and relationships that are really difficult to do in a digital world. Um, I know everyone is accustomed to looking at each other on a box uh, and that's kind of become how we do business. It certainly saves companies an awful lot of money from all the travel that they used to have to pay for and quite honestly, the airline industry is really not able to handle the kind of travel that we all used to be accustomed to. So USA Volleyball has kind of uh, transitioned to a new online platform. They're adding back slowly a few in-person training opportunities because I think the feedback they've been getting is that the in-person portion is very important. But coach education is, is a mandate of the national governing body so i don't care if you're talking soccer if you're talking table tennis if you're talking volleyball the ngbs have uh, i'd say both a uh, a real and a moral obligation to make sure that there are some coaching education opportunities a lot of what the new model for usa volleyball is is using our national team coaches as instructors and helping to push down to the grassroots level as much of the elite level uh, training concepts as they can. And as you know, what Karch Karai does at the USA Women's National Team may not be terribly relevant to a group of 12-year-olds, um, but the concept of uh, teamwork and camaraderie and supporting each other and learning little things about the game like eye focus errors and how do you what's the what do you look at when you're the blocker and you're a 15 year old what's the what's the progression of your of your eye focus while you're doing that so teaching those kind of techniques or fundamentals uh, is extremely important i think also in the world where we live in today the ability to hop on YouTube University and pull up a, a, a coaching video for any topic that you might, you know, come up with um, makes it really easy for people to find information and to make them better coaches. Um, we'll continue to work at the national level on our coach education program, and um, it's used widely across the United States, but there are others who are offering coach education platforms as well. And, and a lot of their content is very good also. So I encourage ADs and coaches to look at what um, educational opportunities and certifications are available at the NGB level. Having an NGB coach certification, I think looks good on your wall. First of all, looks good in your CEU requirements um, at your school. And it honestly makes you a better coach. So. I would hope that regardless of the sport, um, that uh, high school ADs and coaches would find value and uh, seek out NGB coaching education opportunities because there are there are quite a few out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just the um, the opportunity to you know hear what we like to call best practices, and also to network with other coaches you know that, that that's one of the things that i always recommend to ad's and coaches you know young ones and veteran ones is expand your network um yeah. specifically you know for you know usvba um what's the um uh what's the progression uh you know if they're not currently quote certified they've played maybe they've even coached but they haven't picked up that formal certification. What's the first thing that you would recommend they do? 
Well, when you come into uh, USA Volleyball, the very first thing you'll have to do is what we call our IMPACT course, I-M-P-A-C-T. It stands for Increased Mastery and Professional Application of Coaching Theory. And I had to, I had to keep it on my screen because I can never remember all the words that go with that. But that's the, that's the basic course that all coaches uh, in USA Volleyball have to complete. It's about a four-hour course. And while four hours doesn't make you the best coach on earth, this particular course teaches you all the basics of, of what it would take to be standing there in front of 10 or 12 athletes and to give them something of value and to understand, um, you know, quite honestly, other things such as, does one of my kids have an eating disorder? Um, is one of my kids closing down and not not participating because the skill that I'm teaching or the level at which I'm teaching is so far above their head that they, they just can't possibly keep up with the rest of the kids. Um, talks about um, developing leaders on the court and identifying those in on a team that have natural leadership, leadership characteristics, and then allowing them to, um, to exercise those to, to become a leader on the court. Uh, it talks about uh, basics of, of volleyball, like what's a platform? What does that mean? Where, what do your arms look like when you form a platform to pass a volleyball? And how many steps are there in serving? Um, you know, we try and break everything down to three key words so that it's easy to teach for that 12-year kid or that 14-year-old or 16-year-old that's just seeing the sport for the first time. So that's the first level um after that we have as i mentioned the online coach academy uh where you can log in we have gold silver and bronze level um i guess you would call them affiliations um, where you can you can plug in based on the level of information that you're looking for and the frequency so like a bronze level for example would be you get a chance to watch pre-recorded sessions and things of that nature but on a uh, a higher gold level, you get real-time interactive training sessions with national team coaches and a chance to do Q&A with them. So those are some of the opportunities that we offer here in USA Volleyball. Yeah, great stuff. And um, I've been to your floridavolleyball.org website, and it's very well organized. So listeners, you know, you want more information, you know, we'll give it out again, but just go to floridavolleyball.org. Uh, just about everything you would want to know to get involved is there. Uh, for our listeners, our guest again is Steve Bishop. He is the president and the executive director for the Florida region of United States Volleyball. We're going to take another break, but we're coming back. We're not done yet. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Snap Mobile for their support. Go to snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, stop right here. SnapRaise is hands down the best out there. Um, we used it at our school with our coaches and our kids, and it was just great. Our parents loved it. It was so easy to use, and it worked. They even have a program where they will give you your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. Nobody else does that. But there's a lot more. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage. You'll find it all at snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. We also want to say thank you to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Take a look at their interactive touchscreen video consoles. It's a great way to recognize your school record boards for all the teams, for all the events, or your school's Hall of Fame, or to just tell more compelling stories and help showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Mention the podcast. You'll get a nice discount. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Steve, I was very fortunate in my athletic director career here in Florida. I was at three different private schools, you know, in South Florida. And as you know, finished up at the McClay School in the Panhandle. You actually know our, uh, or their longtime coach. Uh, she's still involved, you know, at the club level. 
But I think there's a, a misconception a lot of times with coaches and ADs that it's an adversarial relationship between high school sports, let's say high school volleyball and club volleyball. And it, it's, it's not that way. And it certainly doesn't have to be that way. So maybe talk about some of the ways that from your perspective with USVBA uh, that you work to create uh, a partnership, uh, a supporting relationship that is definitely not adversarial. Well, I think one of the things that, um, I've tried to do personally here, and I can only speak to that. And I, I know since we're a statewide organization, we cross a lot of, you know, district and school boundaries, um, all across the state. But one of the things that I've always stressed both to our coaches, to our club directors, to our staff and to our board is that we respect the tradition of high school sports. High school sports is, is one of the longest um, and I think most traditional activities where kids can get a chance to uh, play for their school and their local community and letter. Well, maybe I should ask a question. Do people still letter? Is that a normal thing? They still do. Uh, <laughs> at our schools, they okay. didn't. And I know at a lot of other schools, they right. still letter. Very good. So I didn't want to say something that wasn't true anymore. But, you know, to get a chance to play in their local community, uh, at their school and to enjoy sport that they like, I, I think deserves all the respect in the world. And we have um, historically not sanctioned USA Volleyball events and activities for high school age kids during the high school season. And I'm only speaking of volleyball, um, obviously. So during the months of the high school volleyball season, we don't sanction events and activities. We we want those kids to enjoy their high school experience. We want them to be the best that they can be. We want them to be high school Americans. We want them to be um, on the leaderboard. And we want to know that in the off season, when they're playing perhaps with USA Volleyball, that they're getting a chance uh, to better their skills so that they can be even better when they get back to their high school team. We don't see... Um, the state school association or associations, and, and there are, are multiple because we're more of a deregulated state, we don't see any of them as an adversary. Quite honestly, we we report uh, here when our kids get um, scholarships from uh, to go play in college and someone will send us an article, we, we do a lot of um, recognition marketing. And so we will promote those kids in the high school that they're attending and the college that they will be attending. Uh, we do that, that on a regular basis. Um, so I I hope that the ADs, I, I can't speak to other sports, obviously, because I don't know what their mindset is. And some of them don't necessarily always honor the tradition of high school sports. So I guess my thing that I would point out here is don't lump all the sports together. Understand that there are some of us out here who uh, have great respect for high school sports. Um, I played soccer in high school. And um, so for me, that was that was an opportunity uh, for me to, to understand the importance of that. So that's where we are with uh, USA Volleyball here in Florida. And, uh, and I, I plan to continue that as long as I'm here. And again, it it was not news to me, but I, I think it it might be news to some of our listeners. And I appreciate you sharing. I told you I wasn't going to go off script, and so hopefully this isn't too far. Uh, going to put you on the spot. Um, looking at the state of Florida, and, and I mentioned, you know, our volleyball coach at McClay did a fantastic job with our program, JV Middle School Varsity. Yeah. Also, very much involved with, you know, I say club, you know, with, with USVBA volleyball, what are some examples that you can give and maybe not even name names uh, where the school coaches have done a great job of working with the local club and, and conversely, the local clubs have done a great job of working with the school coaches. Any uh, stick out that you can uh, give a shout out to? Well, there are many. Uh, we have 154 junior volleyball clubs in our organization here in the state of Florida. Um, and I would say probably 
I'm going to say 75 to 80 percent of the coaches in those organizations are those clubs uh, are also affiliated either in their middle school or high school volleyball program in some form or fashion. And I think that's extremely important because they get a chance to work on developing their coaching skills in the off season. And when I say the off season, I mean the not high school season or the traditional um, USA volleyball club season. So it would be difficult for me to, to narrow it down to a few, I will say that we have an all-star program here in the state of Florida. And um, a lot of the, we have a lot of club coaches that work with our all-star program. And those club coaches are also high school coaches. And they get a chance to work with college coaches that are in our program uh, when we play at the all-star championships each year. And so those relationships are extremely important. And those, we've had many examples of high school coaches and maybe the 80s don't want to hear this, but um, high school coaches making connections with college coaches and then getting a chance to further their career uh, by moving up to a college coaching position. And that's, you know, I would say, I hope people wouldn't be offended that a high school coach gets an opportunity to to move up in their career because that's that's certainly something that we're all responsible for doing, which is multiplying leaders and creating opportunities. So, there are so many examples, Jake, um, with regards to coaches and, and uh, their impact on the sport. Um, I'll just have to maybe call it there. No, I think it's very appropriate. Uh, we, we always uh, want our coaches to, you know, seek out professional improvement. And if that includes, um, you know, improving themselves by, you know, trying a different level, you know, taking a new position. Absolutely. So uh, it's all part of uh, what I mentioned about expanding that network, you know, making connections, uh, you know, having that uh, college coach connection uh, doesn't mean you're going to leave your school and go coach college, but if that develops, you know, why not? You know, absolutely. Great stuff. Steve, this has been uh, very cool spending some more time with you, uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with our segment, the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're not an athletic director, but you certainly know your way around the world of sports. Um, so we're going to take our final break here from Athletic Surveys, who sponsor this segment. When we come back, I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new high school athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. So uh, let's take that final break. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Steve Bishop is going to put in his new athletic director toolbox. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for their sponsorship of the AD Toolbox segment. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and an affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire program. Athletic directors already hear back from the complainers, the 2% that want to gripe about everything. Athletic surveys will connect you with the 2%, but they're also going to connect you with the 98% that love and support your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have, especially when you're talking with that frustrated parent or maybe your principal or maybe your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're going to show you how they can create a custom survey that lets you take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes. Athleticsurveys.com. Check them out today. Let them show you how to take your athletic program from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We have been visiting today with Steve Bishop. He is the president and executive director for the Florida region of U.S. Uh, volleyball. Got a tremendous athletic background, uh, but right now I'm going to challenge him to send out a brand new athletic director, a new leader, but I'm only going to let him put three things in the toolbox. So, Steve, what three items are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox? Yeah, I thought about this question a good bit, and I, and I also often wonder how the gap sometimes between what we call NGB sports, which is the world I live in, and school sports, um, 
including high school and quite honestly, middle school sports, why there's such a big gap sometimes. And we all kind of, I understand everyone's busy. We have our lanes and ADs have plenty of challenges on any given day. Uh, and I can relate to those. So I would offer, I'd offer three and then what I'm going to consider a bonus tool. I hope you will indulge me uh, with that. Number one, uh, consider that NGB, and that stands for National Governing Body Sports, consider that NGB sports and high school sports can be complementary to each other and can work together to benefit youth uh, and junior athletes. And what I mean by that is it's not either or. And I think sometimes people feel like it can only be either or. And I feel strongly that it should be and. Um, they both they both serve a slightly different purpose, um, but they both create opportunities for kids. And if I recall back, looking at the the picture on my wall across the room here, and it talks about priorities and being the difference in the life of a kid. And I think all ADs are called to service by a very similar mandate uh, and challenge in their lives. So. I would say to a to an AD, make sure you don't just lump everyone together and assume that club sports is club sports because they're not all the same. Number two, understand the difference, um, and this is just kind of a an extension of of that comment. Understand the difference between NGB sports and other non-NGB club sports. And what I mean is the differences in training insurance, athlete safeguards, oversight, governance. When you are when you have people that want to do club sports on your campus, understand who they are and understand what athlete safeguards are in place because we live in a very litigious society and they, everyone knows this. And so having an organization that has superior levels of insurance coverage, superior levels of athlete safeguards, um, I had an FBI agent one time, he wanted to be a coach and he called me and he was angry that he had to take our background screen. And um, so, you know, you have to be quick in your mind on how to handle these types of things because he had a valid point. He's an FBI agent. Why would he need to take a background screen, right? And so my comment to him was, well, you should have no problem passing it. So it shouldn't take you that long at all. Um, but when you have people in your gyms and on your campuses, um, you want to know who they all are. You want to know what athlete safeguards and what levels of compliance they've been held to, because not only do they have access to the kids in their club program, they may have access to other kids across the campus that may just be strolling in and out of the buildings while they're there. So understand the difference between uh, those two things and then set a standard for who you're going to affiliate your school with. Um, number three, stay up to speed on national athlete safeguards. And what I mean by that is at the USOPC level. I think I mentioned it briefly early on. The Safe Sport Authorization Act of 2017 uh, set some pretty high standards in place as legislation for this country. And it addresses mandatory reporters. It addresses uh, banning people from being involved with sports basically for life and then holding them accountable all the way through um, obviously criminal prosecutions. So in the world of, of sports, you've got criminal infractions and then you've got policy infractions. And when things don't rise to the level of criminal, rely and, and call out for your NGBs to help you. If you've got a coach that's a bad actor, find out if they're affiliated with the national governing body in your area and if so, Report that information, get them on the list, get them through an investigation at the national level so that they can't just hop from state to state and repeat that behavior. So be familiar with those national level safeguards. Every state has their own state safeguard, uh, athlete safeguards in place, but be familiar with those at the national level and then call out for your national governing body uh, to help you. Cause that's, that's a mandate we have and is required by uh, legislation. And so we're here to help with those types of things and keep these kids safe. So those are my three, um, not like 
perhaps a wrench or a hammer, uh, <laughs> but things that I think would help an AD. And then the fourth thing that I oftentimes would say to ADs and coaches, uh, maybe off the record a little bit more, remember that schools have assets, gyms, fields, buildings, um, which are valuable and can be used to generate income while serving the local community. So NGB Sports are looking to rent venues. Uh, schools have venues, and it's an opportunity for there to be a better partnership where the schools can generate some additional revenue that then they can put in their, their athletic department budget uh, or however the school might manage that um, while allowing these kids to, to further their interest for the sport that they love. So, Jake, those are my those are my four. I don't know if you need me to elaborate or answer any questions on those, but I leave those with you. No, I I love it, and it's very consistent with what you shared with us, uh, you know, on this episode today about you know talking about well, again, what um, you know USVBA is, how it impacts kids, how it impacts coaches, uh, and the idea of of uh, for any AD that still might be out there thinking that um, it's an adversarial position. No, it's, it's not, it's the opposite. It's an opportunity for partnerships. And I love your, your bonus tool about uh, utilizing your facilities uh, to build those relationships, bring people onto your campus, let them see the great program that you offer as a high school coach or as a high school AD. And Oh, by the way, maybe create a little uh, revenue stream as you rent out your gym. So no, great stuff. Yep. Steve, one more time. If one of our listeners wants to find out more, what's the easiest way they can get hold of you or find out more about uh, USVBA? Real simple, floridavolleyball.org. That'll get us to the website. Got a full contact page there. They can find me or any of our staff members if they have questions. Um, and we, we welcome the interaction. Steve Bishop, uh, Florida Volleyball and USA Volleyball, and a whole lot more. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast and all the best with the uh, uh, coming seasons and all the activities that uh, Florida Volleyball is a part of. Thanks, sir. It was a pleasure, and uh, I appreciate you uh, bringing on an outside perspective uh, in the sports world to, to share with all your great ADs. Thank you. Oh, not an outsider at all. Uh, somebody who's standing alongside, uh, just like we are with you. For our listeners, uh, we appreciate you uh, listening. And just a reminder, we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational Lady Podcast YouTube channel. Thanks again. Uh, come back next time for another great interview. And just about every day for new content for coaches and ADs on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time.